Dusky goes through it again. Oh, he just can't do it. You just cannot be that good. That is an amazing goal. I think he's scored a goal every time he's had a shot. What's going on, guys? And for the last time, welcome to a European edition of the 50 Plus One Football Podcast, your home for all things Premier League, Bundesliga and Champions League. And seeing as it's the last one, I'm Billy and he's been with me all season. He is the record-breaking goal record to my Robert Lewandowski, the golden boot to my Harry Kane. It's Lewis. Oh, babes. Oh, it's a little bit of a bittersweet moment, really, isn't it? It's the last one for this season. Jesus, what a season it's been. But that's right, guys. For one last time for season two of the 50 Plus One Football Podcast, we are with you to talk everything about the Champions League and also touch on the Europa League finals. And we might as well just start with it because, you know, jog everyone's memory, seeing as, seeing as it's almost a week back. The Europa League final, it ended with the longest penalty shootout I've ever seen in my freaking life. I genuinely at one stage thought it was going to go back round again. Same. I thought it was going to be the goalkeepers that were going to, they were going to score. And then they, then they would have to start from the beginning again. They probably like the, how close were they to setting a record for taking the most penalties? Must've been something Something like a couple penalties off. I don't even know. Well, here's the thing. So I don't know whether you remember this, but I'm sure some people listening will, and I do. The Netherlands against, I can't remember who it was, but they went to a penalty shootout in the World Cup in Brazil. Tim Krull got subbed on. Yeah, Louis van Gaal substituted Jasper Sillison for Tim Krull, and he won them the penalty shootout. Yeah. And United on the bench had Dean Henderson, who last season saved six penalties for Sheffield United. Whereas David De Gea hasn't saved a competitive penalty since Everton at home in 2016, when he saved Leighton Baines' penalty. It's, 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 it's not good. He's now conceded his last 40 competitive penalties. I mean, is there something that's like the exact opposite of being a penalty killer? Like, what's the opposite of that? It's just, you must think, like, David De Gea must, at some point, if you've got a record for now getting conceding the last 40 competitive penalties, at some point, your goalkeeper coach must be going to you saying, all right, buddy, we're just going to have you in net and you're going to save penalties. That's, that's, that's our goal for today. Like the whole training session, we're just going to take you aside. You're not going to train with the rest of the team. You're just going to be getting penalties taken at you all freaking day. I mean, 40. Come on, man. There are goalkeepers who have literally been substituted on for like 20 minutes and probably saved more penalties than he has. Jesus Christ. Well, that's the thing. Like, even afterwards, uh, Ollie said, I, we, we discussed the idea of substituting uh, Henderson for De Gea, but they just didn't go through with it. Did he, he didn't even make a substitution during during normal time, did he? Uh, no, he didn't make a substitution in well, what I suppose you can call regulation time. Um, Why? I don't know. If I knew that, I, I would tell you. I really would. 
but uh, the United subs came in the hundredth minute. Two on hundred and sixteen minutes, and two wow. right at the end of added time, where he brought on uh, Alex Tellez and Juan Mata. Well, we all know that they were just brought on for the penalties. Why didn't they just bring on Dean Henderson in that moment as well? That would have been perfect. I don't know, but the the thing that I want to uh, to get across is United didn't deserve it. But they were the. Here's the thing: they weren't the better team because they weren't. They had a brief period, a ten minute period after Cavani scored, and that was pretty much about it. Like Gerard Moreno, I'm not going to get into a Victor Lindelof slagging (laughs) match because it will just take up the full hour. Villarreal just wanted it, and you see people going oh, well, this was a final of one team that wanted to play football and one team that wanted to park the bus and and just soak up the pressure. But if you do that against this United team, you will probably get a result. Because You're saying that's United's kryptonite, is parking the bus? Yeah, because there's only so much Bruno Fernandes can do when people don't move off the ball. It's like if people, if people let them have possession... And don't let them counter. They've got very few people that can unlock space. So when you've got Bruno Fernandes ending up playing at left back to try and get the ball. Jesus Christ. And it's also like the 16th European final where an English team has played a Spanish team and the Spanish team's won. Yeah, what is it with Spanish teams and actually being able to win the Europa League? Like they, the Every time a Spanish team then wins the Europa League, they do for lack of a better word, fuck all in the Champions League, ergo Sevilla. But the Europa League, they just boss it. Like, I'm sorry, I don't see any of the German or English teams bossing anything in the Europa League. Like, the German teams were abysmal this season. Sunai Emery, though, isn't it? He seems to have some sort of, like, witchcraft with the Europa League. Or he just has a fetish for the Europa League trophy, either or. (laughs) I mean, you know, for a, a town, a Villarreal, a town with a population of, what was it, 50,000 people? In fact, they even got a football club, really. Exactly. And you've got people like Pau Torres that have grown up there as well. Yeah. It's, it's kind of a bittersweet moment because it's, it's quite nice to see something like that happen. Yeah, true, true. It just sucks it was against, your, against my club. Yeah, and it probably would have been a good end for United as well because you know now they they finish the season trophyless. And you would just say that it 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 was so close. Yeah, it was. It was all that stuff about because the season before, I think what was it, four semi-finals and lost them all. <laughs> yeah. So it was like, oh, they finally got to maybe next season they'll go one better and actually win something. Uh, true. One can hope, but people one don't care hope. about the Europa League. Let's talk about the one people actually care about. <laughs> and that was the all-English final between Manchester City and Chelsea. And just because we always love to put our overly large feet into our even bigger mouths, we both said, Manchester City are going to win this. There's just no way Chelsea can win this. 
Manchester Manchester City have the more experienced team quality wise. They're probably just that much that little bit better than Chelsea as well. Pep is finally in the final with City. The the thing he's wanted forever, and the thing that you know City's owners have wanted since the takeover. You know, we we spewed about as much BS as we possibly could last episode on the European edition. And on the last edition of the normal 50 plus one football podcast, I mean, we really couldn't have screwed this up better, could we? Like, at this point. Well, in in our defense, I spent the last three, four years being told that Pep Guardiola is his tactical genius and that he never gets anything wrong. And yet he's now lost to Chelsea three times in a season. Not only that, but at this point, it's now becoming a pattern. And I'll tell you why Manchester, Manchester City lost that final. And that's, the, there's, it's one name, Pep Guardiola. That's that true. is the reason they lost. So he botched the tactics that badly then? Why? Okay, put it this way. He played with no real striker. And he played with one holding mid. There was zero balance in that team. Why are you playing Rodri 34 out of 38 Premier League matches? You win the Premier League by a landslide. And Rodri is your main guy in midfield. You know, he was bought for 70 mil. And he proved why he was worth 70 mil. And then in the final, the biggest stage, Manchester City has never made it to a Champions League final on the biggest stage, he decides to leave Rodri out of that team. Not just for, you know, a half or 60 minutes or even 80. He leaves him out for the full 90. 90 plus 7, if we're being exact. Would you like? And then he plays so many, so many just center attacking mids and wingers. It was just, there was no balance in that team. And that's the re I swear that's the reason why that went according or went according to Chelsea's plan anyway. Is because I'm sorry, if you're playing a midfield where you've got Phil Foden, Bernardo Silva, Riyad Mahrez, and Raheem Sterling all in a 4-3-3, that is too much offensive power and too little defensive balance. You know, and then you play Kevin De Bruyne in as a false nine when you've got a fit Sergio Aguero on the bench. Would you like a uh, another stat about the holding midfield role? Oh, let's please. So Pep has started either Rodri or Fernandinho in fifty nine of City's sixty games, and the one he didn't was the Champions League final. That says it all. And this is, this is becoming a pattern, right? Pep Guardiola, in the biggest matches where it really comes down to the wires, really going down to the wire, he always thinks that he has to do, he has to put in some tactical genius so that his team wins. It was the same thing at Bayern. And he got found out three times by all three of the top Spanish teams in three consecutive semifinals in the three years he was there. I was going to say, because Every you've, you've had first-hand experience of, for lack of a better term, him botching big games. Yeah. 
the 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 time the first year he was there, Bayern romped the league, set a record for winning the league in freaking March. That's how badly they 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 killed every team in Germany. And then he lets for some reason he lets himself get convinced by some of the top players in the team that it'd be better if they stop playing the football that they've been playing so far this season and go back to the football they were playing during the Champions League triumph of 2013, and then Real Madrid decked them 4-0 at home. Boom. Barcelona, 2015, uh, similar thing with, you know, he, he gets the tactics wrong. Again, against Atletico Madrid, also gets the tactics wrong. It is just such a, like, I don't know why, but he feels the need to experiment on the biggest stage. Like, experiment against West Brom and then even get... and cash in five goals i don't care but don't experiment at the biggest stage on the biggest stage it just makes no sense well should we stop criticizing man city as as fun as it is for me to criticize pep (laughs) and man city i was about to say why are you why are you stopping me why are you trying to stop me from from us basically taking part in your main hobby I was going to say, as fun as it is, and I will come back to some more later on, but there was there was a pass in the 42nd minute. Oh. And it actually made me cry. How... Oh, just I, re- I love the kid. <laughs> it was so good. And oh, it really just split two rows of Manchester City players. It was unbelievable. Well, here's the thing. So a lot of people are, you know, we've been quite critical of Timo Werner this season. And for good reason, because he hasn't been amazing. But he has all the top attributes to be a great striker other than his finishing. And what (laughs) that's not like a slam. What I mean by that is his movement is ridiculous. So his movement drags... John Stones away, which means Ruben Diaz has to follow John Stones, and that creates a gap for Kai Havertz to run on to the ball from Mason Mount. I don't know what Edison was doing. He came out basically. What I what I would have thought is that he basically waits that much until Kai Havertz has to get to maybe the top of the box. And then rushes him so that he can basically stay planted. He does still close down the angle, of course. I'm not telling him to stay on his line. That'd be stupid. But not come out so that by the time he is around the edge of the box, he's in a position where either he has to contend with the fact that Kai Havertz is going to lob him, or he has to do what he did do in that situation and come out of his box and try and slide tackle him away and risk either a red card or Havertz moving around him. Because that those were the only two options he had. If he stayed put right at the edge of the box so he could still use his hands, Kai Havertz would have chipped him and it would have been game over anyway. It would have been a little bit sweeter as well. It really would have. Also, for the fact that Kai Havertz, all the crap he had to take this season, 80 million pound player. He hasn't been at the races. He hasn't 
shown that he's worth 80 mil. He's only scored hat tricks against Barnsley, and that's about it. Like, no one, all so many pundits, so many pundits said he wasn't worth the money. And then he produces on the biggest stage at the right moment. I, I could not be happier for the kid because he the amount of crap he had to take was unreal. Well, that's the thing. That's more of the Kai Havertz that people that have watched him for Leverkusen would have seen and gone, yes, you. That's what I remember. Not this <laughs> shadow of a of a rising star that he had been for most of the season. Also, can we touch on his final uh, on his on his post match interview? I love it. So, uh, I mean, he just made the pundit, you know, look like an idiot, hasn't he? <laughs> so, uh, you you were an eighty million pound signing for Chelsea. Is is it safe to say you've repaid some of that back? I don't fucking care. <laughs> just won the fucking Champions League. It's like you just would, though, wouldn't you? You just would. And the best part is he goes, apologies for some of that fruity language. And Kai Havis just really quickly goes like, eh, what the hell is he talking about? But Man City, who have been, see, I told you we'd, we'd circle back around to, yeah, yeah, yeah. circle back around to it. But City have been so ridiculously ruthless against 90% of the teams in the Premier League. <laughs> Had one shot on target in their biggest game ever. And that was, for lack of a better word, a back pass because Raheem Sterling with his back to go about 10 minutes in trying to back heel it somewhere in some somewhere near the goal anyway. But uh, another few interesting things. So you may or may not remember uh, Yaya Torre in 2018, uh, him and his agent put some African voodoo curse on Pep Guardiola not allowing him to win the Champions League. So uh, this will be for Guardiola an African curse. Life will show whether I'm right or not. He has problems with Africans wherever he goes. Is what his uh, what Yaya Torre's agent said. And uh, the next Champions League final Pep gets to, he fails to win. Especially in a season where actually everyone could not see City doing anything wrong. Well, that's the thing. I was so convinced they were going to win. But... So was I. Come on, let's be real. But Everyone was convinced City was the clear favourite in this match. And then when, when Pep Guardiola brings out his his team, everyone's just looking at the team sheet kind of like, eh? What's he doing? Oh, I don't know whether you've seen this. You must have seen it. And I'll, we'll put it on our... I will put it on our Instagram and our Twitter and that. But uh, that's a picture of Phil Foden and Reese James in like 2014. Oh, it is. Just, it's unreal, yeah. And uh, that's, that's a picture of them in the Champions League final, <laughs> which is so ridiculous. I mean, how someone found that picture of them in like under nines or under 11s, whatever they were? Utterly ridiculous. Oh, yeah. Also, but I speaking want... of a uh, Reese James and Chelsea's defense, should we say? You got to give them credit. Chelsea defended that one 0 lead like their life depended on it. Those last 10-15 minutes. 
especially especially Anders Christensen, who had to come on for Thiago Silva, which is never easy in any game. But when it's arguably Chelsea's best defender in the Champions League final, and you've got to come on and defend against City, who need to score at least one. Yeah. I thought they were great. And... I... Again, it's, it's going back to when people try to match Chelsea because they don't have the players to play five at the back or three at the back. Yeah, yeah. Chelsea have those players available to play that formation. Oh, unbelievable. That team is built around that 3-5-2. Th- you know, they might not be the best players, but there are they are the players that fit that formation so well and it's all made easy when N'Golo Kante plays for three midfielders by himself what's that a stat was it seven is it 70 percent of the world is covered in water the rest is covered by N'Golo Kante oh it's true it's true and I'm we're not going to get into that conversation that we've had (laughs) <laughs> about the about the Ballon d'Or, that is that is for later on in the year when they actually award it. Yeah, okay, but I'm sorry, the people like I just praised N'Golo Kante in the highest sense, and I think he's an unbelievable midfielder. He's probably the best holding midfielder right now in the world, and I say that in full awareness that Joshua Kimmich is still in his prime. And I think probably the two best midfielders right now on this planet, Kimmich and N'Golo Kante. He's come a very long way from Antonio Conte playing him at right mid. Oh, yeah. All that being said, if you're going to sit there and honestly tell me that N'Golo Kante deserves it more than Robert Lewandowski, who has just broken a record that's stood for 49 years, I'm going to tell you to get out. Just get get the fuck out. I'm sorry. Not a chance. Just not a chance. There's no freaking way. And, okay, I don't want to... I don't want to, like, piss on anyone's bonfire around N'Golo Kante, but when Tony Kroos, Luka Modric, and people like Sergio Busquets are putting arguably just as good, if not better, performances from centre midfield in Champions League finals... And no one's bad an eyelid. I de- it definitely is just because he plays in the Premier League. Yeah, yeah. If if Kante was playing for like Real Madrid, and they'd beaten City one 0 there'd be about twenty percent of this hype. Probably. Although, I think it's also the fact that everyone's like, oh, he's like the nicest player, like the most modest player, or something like that. Probably adds to it, but. Yeah, and as nice as that might be, you know, I like the pictures of him smiling riding his bike, but... Yeah, as much as the next guy. (laughs) You know, you don't get the Ballon d'Or for being nice. No, you get the Ballon d'Or for being the best player in the world by a long shot. One thing I wanted your opinion on, because it's another thing we've been quite vocal on, is the absolute shocking standard of UEFA referees. But... Where did this referee come from? Because I'd never heard of him. Uh, no, Mathieu, nor had I. But he Mathieu was so L- good. Loz? Loz? 
Laos. He was so good. He let play flow. He dished out a card when he needed to. That is the standard of refereeing that every referee should be aspiring to. Not this BS that we've seen so often in basically everything. Premier League, Bundesliga, Champions League, across the board. It was an utterly gorgeous display of refereeing. And we got to see a master of the craft at work when he helped Antonio Rudiger back to his feet whilst showing him a yellow card. Yeah. That is the officiating equivalent of watching Messi break Jerome Boateng's ankles and dink Manuel Neuer. That deserves to go down as like one of the Champions League's greatest moments. Oh, 100%. Still not li- liking you know, the reference, but... Uh... Well, um, you know, we had to get German football in there somewhere. Yeah, I guess, seeing as uh, no one managed it this year. And yet, to uh, make it to the final. I know. I don't know your opinion on it. I'll probably find out in a minute. But when you've got Doctor Felix Brick, I, I, he's just not very good. No, I've said it time and time again. This is the same guy who who refereed the match where Stefan Kiesling put the ball through the side netting and through a hole in the side netting, and he counted it anyway. So that'll forever dog him. But to be honest with you, I still want to. I want to I want to touch on uh, Thomas Tuchel because we speaking of German football, the last three managers to win the Champions League have all been German, and we've had seven different man seven different Champions League titles go to German managers since 1997, more than any other nation in Europe. Just going to put that out there. And do you know what the funny thing is as well? Tuchel and Klopp both started at Mainz. There you go. And who's the Mainz coach at the moment? Bo Svensson. And who is a very highly rated up-and-coming manager in German football? Probably Bo Svensson. Have you seen that? Everyone saw the turnaround that Mainz had. They they were voted the, the comeback of the season over Dortmund. Just going to say, if anyone fancies a little tickle at the bookmakers. <laughs> Paul Svensson to win the Champions League in about 10 years' time. <laughs> Speaking of Thomas Tuchel, how big of a middle finger is it that he's gone and come in mid-season and led a team to the Champions League title when he had two of the most expensive players on this planet in P- at PSG? And he failed to win it. That obviously just goes to show, and it co- go, it comes in accordance with what I've been saying. PSG are un, unmanageable. They're untrainable. Is that why you, you think buy the best players in the world? They're a shit team. Is that why you think Poch wants to leave already? Yeah. It, it says it, a lot about the state of that PSG setup <laughs> when Poch would apparently rather go back to Tottenham. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I because I don't know whether it was a, an expectation thing because when Tuchel took over at Chelsea, there was no expectation for anything. It was just let's just try and finish this season with some sort of 
form. They said, let's hope for top four, but Europa League might might have to do it. Utterly ridiculous job that that man has done. Also, just just goes to show how bad Frank Lampard was. Mm, Yeah. Like, Like we've said before, he was only there because of that transfer ban. Yeah, true. But I'm just waiting for the inevitable fallout between Thomas Tuchel and the powers that be at Chelsea. I mean, if, if we're being honest, he's just signed a contract till 2024. He probably was going to these contract negotiations and they were probably just saying, you know what? Fill out how many zeros you want on your paycheck every month. Just whatever you want, we'll pay it. You can go go forth. Let your mind run free. It could be nine zeros on that paycheck for all I care. That's That, that must, I mean, that's the only reason or that's the only way Tuchel went into those contract negotiations because, I mean, there was no way that Chelsea were going to go, ah, do you know what? He's won us a Champions League, but bye-bye. I mean, to be fair, strange things have happened. Didn't, I mean, Ancelotti leaving Real Madrid right after the champ, or getting kicked out of Madrid after winning them the Champions League, the fabled La Decima. Speaking of which, he's also just been appointed manager again I've got at Real Madrid. I've got one thing just to say on that. He said in his statement that... Oh, I'm looking forward to a new challenge with a club that's very close to my heart. It's not a new challenge. If you've been sacked by them already, you senile pensioner. <laughs> that's all I'll say on that matter until he inevitably gets the sack next November. I mean, Real Madrid are slowly morphing into that team who are becoming an untrainable team as well. But won't. They'll, they'll sack Ancelotti after about nine months. They'll, they'll put Zidane back in charge. Jesus Christ. Or they'll go as far as getting Rafa Benitez in. <laughs> oh, my God. Please. I beg he takes the Everton job. We'll just have a whole season of him being booed by everyone. His Liverpool oh, fans trust. are going to hate him. Everton fans are going to hate him. <laughs> but I, I want your opinion on this as well. So, as a United fan, and it's probably the same at Bayern, which is I think it's one of your reasons why Nico Kovac didn't work very well. But we've spent like our upbringing and all, and all that, and even as like journalists and all that, we spend our lives preaching about football clubs needing to have a culture, continuity, and stability for success. And yet it's Roman Abramovich sacking managers left, right, and centre, and winning Champions Leagues in in chaos. Is that, is that Chelsea's culture? Is that what you're asking? Well, Chelsea, the culture of chaos at Chelsea, yeah. Does it not? Is it not all? Is it not just the case of you can't have time and continuity and stability? You know, if you don't get results, you're out the door. Here's the thing, right? Because many people will base that on Chelsea's form, or well, I say form they'll base that on Chelsea's titles that they've won. And you can't take away from them that they have won two Champions Leagues in the last 10 years. Both That's came about after they sacked the manager and replaced him midway through the season. Yeah, exactly. So, so you can't take that away from him. I mean, if we're being honest, Abramovich may just have the golden instinct, if you will, 
for you know sacking a manager because it, you can't take it away from him. That was the best thing he could have done in the situation about nine months ago, is when or six months ago, whenever it was, when Frank Lampard was sacked and Tuchel was brought in. That was the best thing he probably could have done for Chelsea. That being said, we have to look or take a look at what's happened. 2012, everyone can agree that Chelsea winning the Champions League was blind luck. Like, there was no way. It, it wasn't Chelsea winning that final. Bayern lost that final because they were too stupid to put a ball in the back of the net. That's So Chelsea 2012, that was blind luck. 2021, they definitely didn't have blind luck because Tula took a team that was in disarray and turned it around. So if there was anything lucky about Chelsea winning the Champions League, it was the fact that they got Thomas Tuchel because Thomas Tuchel, they, they just happened to get the right manager and the right tactician for that title. Because Tuchel, that's what was missing for him to be counted as one of the great managers of our time was the fact that he wins a big trophy like that. So I think you have to say that that cancel culture almost, so that that culture, that chaos culture at Chelsea, I wouldn't say it's winning titles as much as, you know, the fact that, you know, Roman Abramovich sacks everyone the minute he's not happy and that's going to win them titles. I'm saying that, at some point, if you sack so many managers, you bring so many, so and so many managers in, at some point, there has to be a good one among that setting and they'll win you something. Ergo, they win a Premier League every now and then, or they win a Champions League every now and then, or they'll win an FA Cup every now and then. You know, that's, that's what I'm, that's what I'm saying is that basically, if you shoot often enough on goal, at some point, one's bound to go in. Yeah. And, you know, you've got people like, well, obviously you've got, you know, United who have stuck with Ollie. When people probably think they probably shouldn't have, you know, there's even talk of a new contract on the table, which I don't know about. And it's, it's very polar opposites of things were very bad at United. And they stick with the manager. They're very bad at Chelsea. They they ax him. I mean, they they've been bad for a while at Chelsea. This wasn't like they'd lost a few games in a row. I don't. They hadn't started this season at all well. No, no. And you know, if it works for you, it works for you. But like you said, don't take anything away from Thomas Tuchel and Chelsea for turning the season around. Out. Foxing the uh, best coach that's ever lived in inverted commas in Pep Guardiola. Yeah. And like you said, Bayern lost the 2012 Champions League final. Chelsea definitely deserved that win. Just for the fact that they put they put away their chances. I mean, that's what we said. We said this when Bayern went out against PSG. Do you deserve to win if you don't put away your chances. Same same story. Okay, I want I want three answers from you. And I'll give mine as well after you've given yours. Okay. Player of the Champions League. 
that's a hard one. I don't know. I might just, uh, to be honest with you, there's not one that stood out because as much as Lewandowski probably took apart the Bundesliga, he didn't make it into the top scorers of the Champions League. Erling Haaland scored 10 Champions League goals, so maybe him, but Dortmund didn't make it far enough, did he? Uh, did they? And then, you know, th- there were Chelsea for Chelsea, it was a team effort. I think it says a lot when at Chelsea, Timo Werner ends the season as Chelsea's highest score in both goals and assists. And he's apparently had the worst season. That just shows that Chelsea are just a team. They're a proper team because they don't have one person that they rely on overly for goals. Like they, they definitely get goals from everyone because they have to. They don't have that the luxury of having one star striker in there. Yeah, it was a, it was a bit of a difficult one for me. And uh, the other two were favorite moment of this season's Champions League. And I know it's very early, but a shot in the dark prediction for the winners next season. Um, favorite moment in the Champions League. I'm not gonna lie, I liked the fact that. Chelsea won the Champions League as much as it pains me to admit it. I like the fact that Chelsea won the Champions League because Thomas Tuchel showed that you can do more or less anything. You should never say never. So I'm I'm not going to lie. Favorite moment, probably Chelsea winning the Champions League. Because it's just, it's something that's, it's not something that where, where it was a team where you've said, you know, throughout the season, wow, this team, they've killed everyone. They definitely deserve to win this Champions League title. Chelsea came as the dark horse. And I remember when we were talking about the quarterfinals or even the the round of 16, Chelsea might be the dark horse to win it. And I'm not going to lie. I probably didn't believe myself when I said that. But yeah, Chelsea winning the Champions League final. See, mine's heavily Chelsea-based as well, but it's a specific moment. It's Olivier Giroud's scissor kick against Atletico. Ooh, yeah. Okay, that's good. I love that. Give it... 20, maybe 25 years, I'm going to run a social experiment where I'm going to see if I can try and convince a group of people that he was the greatest player to ever have lived by showing them his uh, his goals reel and listing off the things he's won. Scorpion kick. You know, a Scissor- Puskas yeah. award for that Scorpion kick against Crystal Palace. Uh, or Chris- oh, no, it's Palace. That's the one. You know, he scores some utterly ridiculous goals across yeah. across his career. And it's like incredibly underrated and Arsenal just let him go for free. To a direct rival. <laughs> and it, it baffles me. And then your shot in the dark prediction for next season. Um, hmm. Wow. I don't even know because at this point it could be anyone. I don't see Chelsea defending it. I don't think that's going to happen. Um, but you know, you never say never. Bayern have a new manager. I don't see it happening. Real Madrid and Barcelona are in disarray and are a shadow of the clubs they once were. Definitely not. Liverpool, you'll have to wait and see how far they get and what actually is going to become of them once they get all their injuries sorted out, once they get, you know, because this whole season was just turned on its head. 
Um, Manchester City, they've got some massive problems. Eric Garcia gone. Sergio Aguero gone. They're in desperate need of a new striker because Gabriel Jesus is just not up to the task. Rodri probably going to be very pissed off for not getting a single minute of playing time during that final. So there is a lot of lot of problems incoming at City. So I don't see them winning it. Um, Juve barely made it to the Champions League. So no. Uh, PSG, untrainable team with two overly overpaid players in there who probably are very talented in their own right, but they're useless, if we're being honest, on the big stage. They've shown that time and time again. Um, yeah, I couldn't tell you. I'm honest. Honestly, I couldn't tell you. Well, uh, do you know who I think is going to win next season? Yes, let's, let's hear it. Football. And on that cop-out of an answer, I think oh. it's probably time to end. Thank you so much for sticking with us throughout this whole season. Um, this concludes season two of the 50 plus one football podcast. Your home for all things Bundesliga, Premier League, and of course, Champions League. We will probably be having a small special at the end of the Euros. We'll have a nice little roundup of the whole tournament um, and maybe a couple of guests here and there. And also, we might just have a couple of transfer shows because, you know, those are always fun. And Billy's probably going to have heart palpitations with uh, Manchester United's transfer window. I can't Aren't do it you? again. <laughs> you can't do it again. <laughs> it's like that um, if I sent you earlier. I, I'm ready to be hurt again. You're ready to be hurt again. That's right. But as always... Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe to AT Sports on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And also make sure to check out seasons one and two now of the 50 Plus One Football Podcast. Listen to all the content from our previous two seasons. And make sure, of course, to keep your eyes and ears peeled for any specials we might be throwing your way during this summer. But on that note, until the next season... 2021-2022 restarts in the Premier League and the Bundesliga. We shall say thank you very much for listening, guys. We honestly wouldn't do it if we didn't love what we did. And the fact that people listen is a bit bizarre, but thank you massively again for listening this season. Thanks so much, guys. Keep calm. Love the beautiful game.